You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation, and welcome back to Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories. I am your host, Ross Jackson, and first, I want to give a big thank you and welcome to our new listeners, and also want to shout out Chad Muldew and Jared Laro for hitting me up on Twitter this weekend. I always love hearing from everybody that tunes in, reads, and follows. You can follow me on Twitter at RossJacksonASC, and of course, you already know that ASC stands for AllSaintsConsidered.com, where you can find my, as well as other talented writers, articles, and podcasts, your source for up-to-the-minute Saints news, opinions, and analysis for Saints. Saints fans by Saints fans. The Saints left Los Angeles with a huge preseason win, but beyond the scoreboard, we'll talk winners and losers, as well as a highly anticipated debut gone right. For today's Motivation Monday, we're going to talk about the final shot that some players may have moving into next week before the 53-man rosters are settled. And finally, we'll take a look at the biggest stories from around the NFL, including new signings, trades, injuries, retirements, and a historic deal on the horizon. All of that and a little bit of lanyap here at Locked on Saints. All right, so to get started with today's episode, the Saints absolutely throttled the Los Angeles Chargers on Saturday, 36-7 in Carson. To start the game, the first team offense struggled to move the ball and started off with a Drew Brees interception on a deep ball on the third play of the game. The Saints' first team defense, who struggled against the run, being dominated at the line of scrimmage with post-snap motion along the, uh, the Los Angeles offensive line, ended up giving up a quick 42 yards on the ground to Austin Eckler alone on the first drive. Though the defense managed to close out that first drive, forcing a turnover on downs, the Chargers quickly got the ball back after a Saints three and out, and then the Chargers scored in the next possession, and the Saints looked sluggish when they got the ball back until a fourth down conversion came through on a Taysom Hill fake punt direct snap. After that, it was all Saints as Drew Brees led the first touchdown ending in uh, first touchdown drive uh, ending in a two yard run by Alvin Kamara. The Saints defense went on to give up 96 total yards in the first two drives, but then they only surrendered 70 yards for the rest of the game, allowing only 166 total yards, 104 on the ground, and just 62 through the air across all units. The Saints, meanwhile, piled on 334 total yards led by Tom Savage with 99 through the air and then a resurgent Taysom Hill who accumulated 101 total yards, 66 passing, 35 rushing. Most importantly, outside of that first Drew Brees interception, no other turnovers were committed by New Orleans. The Saints went on to score a couple of field goals and then three touchdowns, one from Taysom Hill on the ground when he took off for an 11-yard touchdown run after going through all of his progressions and finding no open receivers, exactly what it was that we've been wanting to see from him. And then a 58-yard pick six by Marcus Williams of the recently retired cornerback variety, formerly of the Jets and Texans, and then a five-yard passing touchdown to Traquan Smith from Taysom Hill, in which Hill showed some poise in the pocket before rifling a pass to Smith, who found some space in the defense and sat in a hole in the Chargers zone. Sean Payton used two-point conversions as a means of further further evaluating players that he wanted to get extra looks at, so he attempted one after each touchdown, converting three of four. So here are some players that stood out. Marcus Davenport played well, and really well, actually, uh, in his first debut, contributing two tackles, a half sack, and a hurry, as well as a tackle for a loss. 
Uh, he also had a great run stop against Travis Benjamin, who was taking a reverse across the left side of the field. Davenport read it, stayed in front of Benjamin despite a cutback, and then wrapped him up and spun him down, sort of RKO style. He completely sold out, leaving his feet to make the tackle, which might not be the best in terms of fundamentals, but it was pleasant to see a guy of that size. I mean, remember, he's 6'7", 6'6", 260 some odd pounds, just sell out like that to make a play. Uh, Davenport played 15 total snaps and made good use of them, scoring as the 10th highest PFF grade among all Saints players. The cornerback version of Marcus Williams allowed uh, a catch on two targets and also committed a penalty that negated a Craig Robertson pick six, but then on that same drive, he redeemed himself with a pick six of his own, housing an interception on Geno Smith for a 58-yard return. Williams saw some extra action this week with both Arthur Millette and P.J. Williams out with injury. George Johnson, who came on uh, late last year, had a sack, and several other players combined for half sacks, including Davenport, Onyemata, Niesman, Robertson, Lawrence, and rookie Cameron Moore, a player that needed to make a play this game in order to keep himself in the 53 conversation, but was it enough? Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. Taysom Hill had a good game. I'm not gonna lie. Taysom Hill had a great game. Uh, most impressive about it, though, was his bounce back from the atrocity that was the Cards game in which he con- uh, which he was connected to four turnovers. This game, he committed no turnovers and was responsible for two uh, touchdowns as well as uh, a two-point conversion. Rookie Traquan Smith nearly led the team in receiving yards for the third straight week with 39, but he did score his first NFL preseason touchdown on a five-yard pass from Taysom Hill. Smith did a great job finding a hole in the defense behind the goal line. Smith also had a 19-yard catch and run off of a crossing pattern that could have gone for longer, but Malcolm Floyd was flagged for holding. There were a lot of encouraging things to take from this game. Uh, the big takeaways were that the Saints currently have the league's most productive pass rush this offseason, according to Pro Football Focus. They've achieved pressure on 37.5% of all defensive snaps taken so far this preseason. Pass coverage also did a great job locking down, allowing only a 60.8 completion percentage across all quarterbacks that played for the Chargers, 4.1 yards per pass allowed, and 94 yards receiving. 32 of which were negated by sack yardage. Jonathan Williams only saw three carries on Saturday, mostly given a rest while the Saints looked at rookie Boston Scott, who looked great with 28 yards on seven touches, as well as a two-point conversion. Michael Thomas bullied safety, just bullied safety uh, Rayshon Jenkins uh, with a stiff arm, which was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, And the Saints are really going to miss Mark Ingram at the top of the season as he continues to look fantastic through this preseason. I'm not going to lie, I had some pretty lofty expectations for this game because of the fact that we were seeing the starters, but again, it's the depth that stands out, and it's incredible because if you've been watching the Saints for the past, I'm just going to say five, five or six years in particular, you've known that, especially on the defensive side, along the defensive line and the linebackers, there's no, there, there hasn't been depth. And this year, we have a ton of it. And because of that, it makes the 53-man roster projections so tough. So we're going to talk about that uh, here in just a second. Uh, That's going to do it for my recap of the Saints and Chargers game and a look at who did well. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at who left something to be desired with limited time left to prove themselves and why they should be motivated to do so as soon as possible. And then we'll take a look around the league for tons of news, including a potential historic deal or two in the talks. 
It is crunch time for fantasy football and Locked On is delivering. Locked On has a brand new fantasy football show, Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. Fantasy Football 24-7 will give you the latest trends, hot roster moves, where to get the advantage. Plus, Ethan Turner, the injury expert, gives you the edge. Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you win your league. Here's the deal. I'm not the dude that's going to be able to tell you who's going to win week in and week out. I'm not that dude for you. But if you think you know who's going to win, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, yo. They are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. And their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's all I'm saying. And that's why I urge you to make your way over to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and even the fantasy dudes out there. You can even bet on the over-under of how many fantasy points a player will score each game, which gives you so many more opportunities to win. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, y'all, welcome back. And don't forget that coming up, we're going to take a look at the biggest stories from around the league. The next game-changing contract might be around the corner, and another soon may follow. But first, it's Motivation Monday, so we're going to take a look at some players that need to step it up for the final game of the preseason, their last chance before the 53-man roster is set. I'm going to start this off with my surprise struggle so far this preseason, and that's Cameron Meredith. I knew that there was going to be a little bit of a bump in the road for him because of his injury, but the newly signed wide receiver out of Chicago was thought to be the player that could be that we could all be excited about coming in and plugging into the slot receiver role. So far this preseason, he's played 29 passing snaps, has only been targeted twice, and hasn't caught a single pass. One of those was actually a drop that led to an interception against Arizona last week. Meredith played deep into the game on Saturday, but still didn't make a catch, though he did sell out to make an impressive grab, albeit out of bounds late in the game against the Chargers. Though the Saints won't be cutting Meredith anytime soon with the money that they've invested in him, Sean Payton did mention that the wide receiver depth chart is written in chalk after Saturday night's game. And with Austin Carr's impressive preseason so far, he's quietly had a great one. Uh, he's got a 100% catch rate on set on six targets and 75 total yards over two games. There may be a change in the order that we've all expected in the top four or five receivers, not to mention that rookie Traquan Smith is vying for some time at the number two spot. Ted Ginn Jr. might be a starter, but he might end up seeing some action in the fourth preseason game alongside Cameron Meredith if this whole chalk idea is true for the depth chart. Haley Kakaha did have a quarterback hit and a hurry against the Chargers, but hasn't shown enough to put him over the top of a loaded linebacker core right now. The Saints will likely keep six linebackers this season, at least that's what I'm expecting, so there is still some fight left for that final spot there between Kakaha, Stupar, and Jaron Elliott, who has been mostly quiet since that Jacksonville game and could also stand to have a good game against the Rams next week at home. Though Marcus Davenport isn't going anywhere, he should be motivated by his own performance on Saturday. He's got some things to work on upon arrival to uh, the practice facility in Metairie, but his play against Los Angeles Chargers was good enough to assure him that he's recovered well from both of those preseason injuries 
and can contribute much more quickly and just play much more than anyone really anticipated. Taysom Hill has been up, down, and then back up again, and he should see a fair amount of snaps against the Rams this week thanks to the usual no-starters format of that fourth preseason game. Again, this isn't a question of a cut, but Taysom Hill can definitely solidify his spot wherever it may be in the quarterback depth chart with a good outing in the dome against the Rams. His roster spot, no matter what, is going to be safe thanks to his incredible contributions on special teams. But if he wants to become the backup number two guy heir apparent to Drew Brees, he's got to show something against the Rams later this week. Add Tommy Lee Lewis as a player that could use another big game in the preseason week four, especially with the lack of security that's apparently present for the wide receiver group. He had a good game on Saturday, aided by a deep ball from Tom Savage. He's fallen behind in the return race and still needs to show his value as a wide receiver to help him keep the roster spot, though some positive special teams play couldn't hurt. Safe to say that undrafted free agents, cornerback Lyndon Stevens and tight end Dion Yelder have reached the end of their road in regards to making the 53, but can make strong statements in making the practice squad this week. That is, of course, unless the Saints already know that they want them there and might keep them on the low so that they'll help, which will help them clear waivers. Arthur Millette and Austin Carr have shown the value of time spent on the Saints practice squad as defensive backs and pass catchers. Perhaps these two guys could see some similar development. Some final mentions of guys that could use big games, Shane Vereen, Landon Turner, Michael Ola, and Cameron Moore, Alex Jenkins, Jay Brumley. The official cut down to the 53-man roster is due September 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern time with the final preseason game wrapping up on the 30th. So a lot of these guys are hoping to make one more big lasting impression, whether it be through practice heading up to the Rams game in the Dome or during that Rams game itself. This is exactly the type of moment that I was referencing early, early on when I started the podcast. I think in the first week when I was talking about how important these preseason games are. Yes, there are unfortunate injuries. Yes, there are unfortunate things that happen throughout preseason, throughout the games, throughout practice, throughout training camp, throughout rookie minis, throughout all of that. All of that unfortunate stuff happens, but this is the opportunity right now for guys to fight for jobs. Imagine training your entire life to become this one thing that has been your dream to play on a football field, to play on an NFL team, to put on an NFL uniform and to go out there and make plays. And your only opportunity to prove yourself came in the preseason you would want that. Like you wouldn't, you would not want that taken away from you. And for a lot of these guys, when you're going from 90 people on the roster all the way down to 53, because remember they got rid of the mid-step. There used to be a, a middle cut down to the 70s. And then you went to 53 between um, preseasons week three and four. And then uh, you went to 53 after week four. Now you just go straight from 90 to 53. So everybody has an extra game and now an, an extra opportunity to make a claim at a spot on the 53 or to make a claim at one of the 10 practice squad plays. All right, you, the, the other thing that people make a claim for is if the Saints really like somebody, they could sneak them onto injured reserve. Oh, look, man, oh, he hurt his pinky, so he ain't gonna be able to play this season. We're just gonna tuck him away on the injured reserve and save him for next season. Sneaky stuff like that happens all the time, and this is everyone's opportunity to become one of those people and to land on either the roster for the team that they're playing with right now, or at least do enough to be seen and noticed by another team so that they get picked up off of waivers, they're picked up out of free agency by another team that saw them and liked what they did in the fourth preseason game. You know, this last preseason game we played against the Chargers and Austin Eckler, who tore us up 
on the first drive. He was one of those guys for the Chargers. He was that dude that staked his claim during the third or fourth preseason game last year. And now look, he's a backup to Melvin Gordon. He's out there, he's getting reps, and he's looking great. So there's opportunities out there for everybody on this team. And so right now, all that they're focused on is making the best of it and making the best impression possible. And that's what's motivating them moving into this final week of the preseason. Can you think of any more players that might be on the bubble or just need to show something this final week? If so, hit me up at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter and let me know what you think. All right, when we come back, we'll quickly go through some of the biggest stories from around the league, including some negotiations underway for big money for big dudes. Locked On has now officially expanded to college shows. Launched recently are shows for Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee in the SEC, Florida State in the ACC, Oklahoma and Baylor from the Big 12, Ohio State and Penn State in the Big 10, and Oregon in the Pac-12 with more on the way. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's dive into these major stories from across the league. First off, we're going to start in Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills rookie quarterback was sacked five times against the Bengals yesterday and hit his head pretty hard on the turf. He left for a short while, but was able to return. Regardless, though, that's not the type of game you want to see the potential future of your franchise endure. However, former St. Raphael Bush did come down with a big interception for the Bills, so that was pretty dope. Giants pass rusher Olivier Vernon suffered a sprained ankle this weekend. He's a pivotal part of their defensive game plan, especially considering how JPP is no longer out there. The Giants also traded center Brett Jones to the Vikings for a seventh round pick. Jones played in 16 games last year, allowing only 10 pressures and two sacks. The Packers traded quarterback Lindsey Pipkins to the Colts in exchange for linebacker Antonio Morrison. Troubled San Francisco Almost New Orleans Saints linebacker Reuben Foster suffered a concussion on Saturday while the 49ers were facing the Indianapolis Colts. Jaguars wide receiver Marquise Lee endured a just gruesome uh, Saturday injury to his knee thanks to a hit from Falcon safety DeMonte Casey uh, who took his helmet straight to Lee's knee. Though it likely wasn't intentional, Casey was flagged. Uh, for lowering his helmet to make the tackle. Lee's timetable for return is still up in the air, but the severity of the injury looked uh, pretty grim, to say the least. Carson Wentz has still not been cleared for contact, and the Eagles' backup quarterbacks are not looking very great. Slot technician Eric Decker has announced his second retirement in the past few years. The New England Patriots just aren't doing real great holding down wide receivers right now. The big news this week is that Sean McVay is expecting to see Aaron Donald report sometime later on this week. Uh, They are really close, apparently, to landing a contract agreement that would make Donald the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Rumors are that that contract should land somewhere around $22 million per year, and though not fully guaranteed, still a number around $80 million guaranteed. Oh, that's a lot of money. Uh, After that contract is signed, expect Khalil Mack then to find his next contract slightly above that, maybe even $22.01 million per year, much like Mack's agent did with Patrick Peterson a few years ago when he took a $14.01 million contract after Richard Sherman signed a $14 million contract. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk more about this Saints win and begin to look ahead at the final preseason game before roster cuts and the top of the season comes around. Ooh, we so close. We'll also update our preseason NFC South power rankings by looking at some more of the national sites. And then next week, I'll set my own ahead of week one. Then, as always, we'll go through the biggest news around the NFL. Thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me 
up and let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them find Locked on Saints on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever it is that you find your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you always know when the newest episode drops every Monday through Friday. Share with your friends. Share with your family. Retweet this when I when I tweet it out. Let's get this community building up a little bit. Uh, throw out some rates, throw out some reviews, all that good stuff. Thank y'all so much for coming through. This has been Locked on Saints and trust who that nation. Yeah. I'll holla at you. <laughs>